You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Get Tucked podcast. I am your host, as always, Tuck. This week's episode, it is a super fun one. Like I say every week, except for this time, it's true. I've saved it for a few weeks, um, and with the current state of the planet, I felt like it was proper to take a little break and then come back with something that was special. Peter and I have a super deep love for labels, screamo, merch, and all things that brought us to what we now know as Metalcore. So thank you to Peter for being on the show last week. Um, we just broke 5,000 streams. So thanks, guys. It's been really nice. I'm super stoked that people are tuning in, and it means a lot. Um, recently, Fit got to do a song and merch collab with We Came As Romans, which was very sick. I love that band. I've been a fan of them for a minute. So we felt very lucky to do that. And thanks to everyone who bought a piece of merch. We are going to be getting together soon to cook up some hot and spicy Fit stuff for the new album. So stay tuned. In other other band news... It's uh, about time off-road minivan does some stuff. We went and got together to practice this week, and we're going to be heading into the studio to do a five-song live performance, similar to the style of what you see from Audio Tree, but done ourselves in a different studio um, uh, with my friend Gary. And it's going to be great. Gary worked on... Um, sorority noise and a bunch of other cool records that we like so I think it's going to be great and I can't wait to show you all and we also have a video for the song Vampire that will be dropping soon my apologies for all the burps the reason why I do it is because one I have to burp sometimes and two my favorite podcast your mom's house they have a fart mic and I don't feel like farting on any of my mics but um I haven't been taking my acid reflux medicine for the last two months, so I'm real gassy now. So there you go. Something new about me that you guys didn't know that you now know. Um, And by gassy, I mean just the burps. Don't be so gross. Otherwise, we'd have the fart mic. Okay. Today on the Get Tucked Podcast, we have one of my favorite people to tour with, Stephen Rudishauser of Chelsea Grin. He is actually one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in the planet. And I've said that before, but this time it's true. And for everyone else, I was full of shit. Um, Steve has one of the sickest music band guitar collections. Really, him and David from Chelsea Grin do. Um, I'm super excited to dive into the history of the band while also catching up with my bud. I think that the newest Chelsea Grin record is the best one yet. So I'm ready to talk all about it. And... Like every week, if you have a band that you would like me to play in the mid-roll, please submit it to gettuckthepodcast at gmail.com. 
Um, I don't play everything, but I really like to listen to them all. I actually do listen to them all. So send it in. If you just want to say hi, go ahead. Shoot me an email. Um, Enough of this. Let's go. Let's do the damn thing. Here's my episode with Steven of Chelsea Grin. How's it going? Uh, dude, I'm good, man. Are you ready to get tucked? I'm ready to get tucked. It's been a while. <laughs> dude, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, it has been a while. I remember when we had like jobs and hopes and dreams and we were out there doing cool things with each other. And then, um, yeah, the world was like, nah, fuck you guys. Like, you don't get to do that anymore. Uh. <laughs> I know, dude. It's crazy. Never, never did I think. Obviously, this is always a possibility, but you know, it's one of those things you never think about. Oh, one hundred percent. You never think about just up and losing your job, but then you also never think about it being because of a virus. Yes, it's I, crazy. Dude. <laughs> I thought there was a lot of reasons why I may lose my job, and none of them involved a virus, unless I happen to get or receive or give one to someone. Um, but luckily, I'm yeah. a taken man. So if that happened now, I'd be in so much more trouble than just my job. <laughs> You'd have bigger um, fish to fry. <laughs> yeah, I think so, man. <laughs> so uh, luckily, that is not the case at the moment. Um, thank God, um, my my dick is okay. And uh, yeah, Phew. yes. Um, but yeah, wild situation um, for those listening. We were out on tour together when the COVID thing happened. It was Fit for a King, Chelsea Grin, Crystal Lake and alpha wolf um and then we played five shows and it was all taken away man it was such a bummer too because like uh you know it takes a while to get i mean it was a bummer for reasons beyond measure and count but uh one thing that sucked is you know you get in a groove of tour and it usually takes about five days or you know just a few good shows to lock it in and get that mojo going that you know things rehearsal and pre- pre- preparation can't really cover for and uh i feel like everybody was just like really getting it really right off the bat everybody locked in so quickly it was such a a oh, sweet yeah. tour from day one <clears throat> everybody was just crushing and then <laughs> yeah and also it was the most it was the quickest i became friends with everybody on a tour ever we were very lucky for that where, I mean, we obviously knew everyone else involved separately, but I don't think everyone had toured with each other up until Crystal Lake and Alpha Wolf had just done a tour together in Australia, if I remember correctly, for I think that's a true. Polaris tour. But yeah. yeah, essentially most people didn't know each other, 
But we had the nicest group of guys together for this tour. And like you said, from day one, it was a banger. Like I remember watching Alpha Wolf start night one and we were just like, how is this their first show in the US? Because the reaction was phenomenal. So it's it was crazy shit, man. It was crazy, crazy shit. Oh crap, Tuck, I think I lost. Oh, All right. Okay. Something happened and shit went awry and now we're back. So we'll keep talking about how we were doing really well with our lives before <laughs> the world ended. For those that are listening, we just had a technical difficulty, but uh, yeah, we're going to get back to talking about how fucking cool we were when we were. Um, yeah. Yes. So uh, Alpha Wolf smashed day one. They smashed every day. It was awesome. Super fun to watch. Um, my favorite highlight is one I talked about on um, not my last show but the one before that with rio where in that last night in chicago (laughs) or when he crowd surfed and then climbed the sound panel yeah it was insane it was crazy show anyone that actually got to see that five days of tour was a lucky duck Um, i feel like that last show i mean all the shows were great but that last show and this i mean for better or for worse regarding the virus stuff the last show was so big and just so packed and Rio doing that, it just like really came together as, as I, I couldn't have imagined a better show to as morbid as it sounds ended all on. Oh, I agree. Um, that was such a blast. And like people were jammed in there just going hard <laughs> for potentially the one last time. Yeah, that was the um, the biggest Fit for a King headlining show to date. So was, what a way to was- go out. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, you're right, man. Um, you know, and I think the more I got to reflect on it, that seemed to be my feeling where I was like, well, at least I got to do this and hopefully everything will come back and we'll see what happens. But, um, that show was wild. That tour was wild. We just had such a solid lineup together. Um, but now it's, it's crazy to think about what the next year is going to be like, because so many people moved other tours into 2021 where i mean everyone pretty much knows at this point shit ain't gonna happen but um it's gonna be crazy to see what the tour's like because i feel like i'm gonna be gone the entire year of 2021 it will be so you're saying you you feel like you'll be on tour the entire year of 2021 oh yeah yeah i feel like as long as you know permitting um the government and and you know the world being a healthy place and whatnot but um you know, it's. I don't think. Sadly, we'll probably get to put that tour together. Um, right, right. Just because everyone already like Crystal Lake, they had their own badass plans for the summer that ended up getting squashed too. Yeah, um, man. I think everybody sort of. We had yeah. Everyone felt that pretty hard. As far as you know, plans coming up. A lot of tours got canceled, and it's such a bummer. Absolutely, but. We will all be back. I mean, there's some oh, yeah. things that are starting to get planned for, you know, for certain genres and venues and people they'll get to play shows probably mid-August, maybe late August. And, you know, this is just hearsay. So don't fucking quote me, you troll monsters on the Internet. Um, <laughs> shows are going to go fuck yourself. No, I didn't. I'm just speculating from things that people have told me. And I have high hopes, just like the dashboard song. So. Um, there you know, we after go. All, all number of things about when shows will be back, what they'll be like. I think um, someone just told me today, and once again, this is something I heard and I'm not saying myself, but 
Uh, Nashville is opening shows back up to 75% capacity. Um, and that might've just been announced today if it was announced at all. But, um, I've heard that there's, there's just so many, there's such a number of things people are talking about potential outcomes for shows in the future of how they're going to happen. You're just hearing so many things that with, with this whole virus, I'm just like, I'm not really holding on to anything I hear because everything changes all the time. And I think that's the right attitude to have. Yeah. It's, Um, it's just, we're hearing different things today than we heard a month ago that are a total 180 from what we heard two months, you know, just, it's, mm-hmm. it's just, you don't know what you can really hold on to. So. Absolutely. You know, the only thing I know is that I hardly pass science in high school. So I <laughs> don't try to act like I am uh, super bright when it comes to these things. I've heard side, you know, a bunch of stuff from one side. I've heard a bunch of stuff from another side. I'm going to make my own assessment. And uh, with that, I'm, uh, I'm going on vacation next week. So, <laughs> you know, there you I'm, go. where yeah, are you going? We're just going to Virginia Beach, man. Uh, you know, we saw a bunch of people doing hillbilly shit and we were like, you know what? That sounds like a great idea. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, just a couple days to get away for a little while. But things are starting to open up, which is cool. So, you know. I'm excited to get out of there. Gosh, I should probably take that off of this. Some people are going to harass me and be like, how could you do that? But, you know. You might get a little shit for it. I might. Maybe I'll bleep it out. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) That'd be fucking hilarious. Yeah, that'd be awesome. (laughs) Can I I curse on this podcast? Yeah, you can do whatever you want. That's why it's called Get Tucked, because it's like Get Fucked, you know, but it's not. Yeah, I was, because originally I was going to do Fit for a Podcast, and then I was, I just, you know, with our, we have some fans that are very conservative, and I don't right. want to offend them because I appreciate them and I care about them. So right, this is right, a right. separate place for me to be myself. And if people are interested in it, great. If you hear it and it offends you, then please still like the music. We still don't cuss in the music, but you know, let me be myself. Um, because as you know, I'm just a fucking troll man. So you know, you know what? You guys are all the best dudes ever. So. You could say anything, and at your core, you're still the greatest, kindest band on earth. Well, thank you. I like to think we're nice guys. I, th- you know, I think out of a lot of bands, we're just pretty, pretty normal, nice people who just like to play breakdowns with our friends, and that's why that group was so awesome. We had so many friends, and everyone was so nice to each other. But yeah, it was know. it was a kind, very friendly package. Yeah, you know, but <laughs> that's for sure. We're going to get beyond the, you know, the now shit, our most recent stuff. And I want to dip back. Now, obviously, when analyzing your band, I could have talked to David because he's the original. Or I could talk to Tom Barber because he's the screamo. But I wanted to talk to you because, one, you're my favorite. And I'll put that in quotes. (laughs) And two... (laughs) You're my favorite, too. Thank you. Yeah, we just, you know, when we're on the road together, I would say we spend a bit of time together, but, uh, you know. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, I've always, there's like a few people that you meet on tour, and some people are a little more apt to that than others, but you you connect to some people and they wind up, you know, obviously you go on tour, you hang out with your own band, but every once in a while you find a 
a buddy that you hang out with almost more than your own band on tour. <laughs> and that's yeah. kind of where I found myself with you. Yeah. Especially starting on, yeah, that as a dying run. Oh my goodness. What a tour. That was the best. Speaking <laughs> of tours, that was one of the best tours ever. You know, you just got to so play great. to so many people. Every venue was awesome. We got great amenities. People were kind. It was, oh man, what a tour. Was it was a great time. Everyone, that was another tour full of good dudes. Never Absolutely. a dull moment either. So, oh yeah, yeah, I can remember a few that weren't that dull for myself. Um, in my <laughs> band. But um, <laughs> yeah, that that was a really amazing time. Um, and I think that that doing that tour really gave me hope. Where it's like, man, you can see where this thing can go. Like you can see if you write great music and you're a great band how big you can really be. And it was a super inspirational thing because, you know, despite controversy and whatever people want to comment on, which the majority of those people don't know anyone involved. So what is your opinion anyway? Yeah. But that band is legendary. And one of the main reasons why we do this shit in the first place. So it was just so epic for us to be with them and to be able to call them friends. Um, I now have the Nick Hippos Kemper profile in my Kemper, and it's cool. And that's all that really matters, right? Um, <laughs> that's all that counts. So, <laughs> um, you know, just to name drop, because what is having your own show without name dropping? Um, yeah, so. I mean, you've got you've to gotta throw all your accolades out there. Knowing Nick Hippa is is an accolade in and of its own not yeah. only do you know the guitarist of actually dying but you know the nicest man on earth god damn right if there's anyone that is actually <laughs> the nicest person on tour it is always that guy he is yeah <laughs> he just you know because it is shocking to meet some of these people at least for myself you know i've, I've idolized some of these guys for a long time so when i get to be around them i'm very nervous like i i may or may not have talked about this on the show, but like, it was like meeting Keith Buckley. It was like, oh, I'm just not going to talk to you the entire tour because I have nothing interesting to say to you. Because, <laughs> because I don't want to blow my God. one shot. Yeah, like I just couldn't. I, you know, I can still remember walking up the stairs at the first show at House of Blue Chicago. And, you know, he makes some comment about how the stairs suck or something. And I'm just like, you know, because I. Yep. And that's my, that's my, they do suck. They're terrible. But that's my favorite part of this thing, too, is, you know, getting to still be a fan, you know. Not everybody needs cool. to be a super cool guy. I'm not really that cool. I don't think I'm ever going to be that cool. So I'm just going to enjoy my moment in the sun. Um, well, dude, I mean, if you think about it, we're in an era. I feel like, how do I put this? Um, the way, you know, all this time is working out, we're starting to tour with bands that have been around for 20 years. So it makes sense for us to have been a fan if if some of us have been touring for 10 years, even less than that, you know, very true. Or whatever the case is, it's just like the way timing is working out. We're going to be on tour with some people that were our heroes when we were younger. Goddamn right. Hey, we did. Just, you know, I would put those yeah, guys in that category for me. Um, yeah, if I get to tour yeah, with Thrice someday, which will never happen with Fit for a King, maybe <laughs> it will happen with my emo band someday. Um, Dude, it could. You never know. I mean, I the it's funny the other day um Riley the drummer he like made a post about um his he always posts about his drumming his bleh, god damn the stuff that he listens to while he runs 
And oh, he yeah. Puts okay. it on. And then I just commented back. I was like, hey, this, you know, you should listen to this. It's a really upbeat start and it'll be a great pace for your run. Just being like, please, come on. Because you know what? If Thrice listened to my music, that would be the coolest shit ever. I got Identity Dude. Crisis for Christmas in seventh grade. I love that band. But. Yeah, Thrice is is a is an iconic band. That's for damn sure. But you know what? It's like the the sending your stuff to their drummer and whatnot, and just like trying to get him to listen to it on his morning run. All of that. That's that's cool as hell. I feel like it means so much more to to get something from the actual mouth of the creator, or you know, everything in this in the industry, every route of reaching out to people happens sometimes between management or manager touches base with somebody publicist it's just it's never direct like that so means more probably to get that and a lot of people i feel like feel that they're they're jaded to that process they're like i i've worked this hard i don't have to i'm just gonna have the people that work for me do this for sure and i Um, think that shows for bands that also with having the social media the guys that try their best to talk to kids and respond and actually give them, you know, a piece of themselves beyond just being some dude on stage that takes their money. And I think that that it's hard because it's not like it's super fun all the time to sit down for three hours and answer a bunch of Instagram messages. But then you have to remember, oh, wait, I have a bunch because people for some reason give a shit about me. So maybe I should give back slightly if all that is is saying thank you. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's an interesting thing to put yourself in, in that situation of, but, um, you guys are all really nice about that. And what's one thing that that's one thing Tom's really great at too. He's always talking to people. He's always engaging and I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. Tom's a social guy. I mean, I I don't, he wouldn't call himself social, but he's great in social situations. He can strike a conversation with anybody and he's, He's uh, he's very confident. And he's also really grateful, I think, to not, I don't mean like to be with Chelsea Grant. I just mean like even with his days in Lorna, just his ability to perform in front of people. He's super, super humble and cool about that. He's uh, he just, you know, is grateful for where he is. So I think he, he appreciates having just like you said, having the people that give a shit at all is a cool thing. I think that's kind of how everyone in the band feels. Some of us are just a little better at <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, the, it's uh, hard. You know, someone got like David. He's got a family. He doesn't. Yeah, of course, exactly. That that's kind of that's kind of how it is. It's like, and, you know, everyone in the band is very, very grateful. Um, but you know, David's got his family and whatnot, so every, everyone always appreciates it. I think Tom and Pablo are like the the most approachable, awesome dudes, mm-hmm. and uh, they sort of resonate that uh, openness. And uh, I think that's really awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Pablo is such a character, too. It's amazing. Um, absolutely. And he's just the most talented dude out. Like, getting to watch him play the parts he plays while doing vocals is just, it's dumb. It's very dumb. But, it's really nice to to have a, a guy like Pablo in your band because, you know, you can throw whatever at him mm-hmm. until... He'll handle it just fine. Like we all have our limits, you know what I mean? But we, you know, we know each other so well that we know what we can write for each other. And, uh, you know, you can just throw so much at Pablo and just know that he'll be able to nail it. If not, make it better and do vocals on top of it 90% of the time. That's why He's a badass. I, 
Oh, yeah. 110% badass. And that's why I would say that um, Eternal Nightmare is probably my favorite Chelsea Green record. So I think you guys, you know, figured out how to work with each other really well and um, bring out your best in each other. Um, But I want to go back. I want to go way back. Because I know originally, obviously, as most people that know Chelsea Grin know some of the backstory, but I want to pinpoint when you joined in, but before you joined the band, you teched with them for a while, right? Yeah. So my first tour ever, well, my first tour ever was with um, a band called Hearts and Hands that was a side project that AK and Pablo were playing with. But my first tour, big tour was, well, I should quote unquote big tour, um, was Chelsea Grin. I was selling merch for the band. <laughs> and Hell yeah. After one tour, I lost, I like literally misplaced money. And I was like, you know what? This shit is not for me. I'm a guitarist. I at least want to be involved with what I care about. And I suck at doing merch. Um, so then I became their guitar tech. Yeah. Very cool. cool. Now at the time, what cycle was the band on? What record were they playing with? Or, you know, can you give us a little placement? It was before Ashes. To, so it was like the Evolve, the EP cycle. Okay. Um, and I think when I, they were early writing stages when I started working with them for Ashes to Ashes. And I was there. I didn't, you know, wasn't physically at the studio, but I was there through like, you know, I was on tour with them while they were writing and recording the, the record. Very um, cool. Yeah. Um, now, the early stages, because I, you know, it's still always a very strong memory the first time I saw My Damnation because I fucking love that song. It's one of my <laughs> favorites. And thinking about early Chelsea Grin, you to see how young all these guys were and stuff, um, what really brought the separation between some of the members, um, besides the obvious with Jason Richardson, because he obviously has, like, while being the most talented dude, like, has come and gone from a few bands and kind of just done his own thing, um, whereabouts, like for instance, the drummer, at what point did he fall out of the band? I'm, you know, just out of curiosity, do you know anything so, about those guys? Yeah. And a lot of it's sort of like, you know, I wasn't there for some of the guys leaving the band. I think it's always been, uh, with the drummer. I don't even remember his name. I think it was Andrew. Um, he, I think there was just like personal conflicts with the band. It wasn't exactly like, uh, you know, it was two puzzle pieces that didn't fit together, getting forced together. Um, For sure. And then... Well, with so many members, that's going to be hard. Yeah, I mean, that was back when the band had six six members, and I don't know. I don't want to slander anybody, you know. I don't want... Not slander, but I just don't want to speak ill of anybody, especially since I wasn't there for the time. For sure. I just know that... I just know that it wasn't a good fit for the guys. Very cool. Um, yeah, he was just one. He was such a striking image to me when I um, watched that video. And um, I just remember one day just seeing that Pablo was in the band. It was just something that personally, as always, I've always been curious about it, simply as a Chelsea Grin fan. Um, yeah. But... Um, so you found yourself coming and being on uh, tech with them around the Ashes to Ashes era, but when did you find yourself actually playing within the band? Um, so we did Warp Tour 2014, and that was that was me guitar teching. And at that point, there was a guitarist in the band, Dan Jones. Um, he 
is in medical school. And I think at the time he was uh, undergrad, um, you know, getting his degree so that he could uh, apply to medical school. And uh, just things were getting intense for him with school. And so Warp Tour, you know, summer, he had the time off, but he was like, all right, this is my last tour. Wound up not being his last tour. He came out on 2016 Warp 2, but um, he was like, all right, this is going to be my last tour. And the guys, Jake and Jason, who were the other two guitarists at the time, um, you know, it was so easy to go to a track back then, but they wanted to give me the shot, which I, you know, really appreciate so much. They, uh, they had me come out and I, my first tour playing with the band was, um, it was like the black craft tour. It was black Dolly murder and suicide silence co-headlining. We were direct support and alter beast was opening Jesus and dude, Christ, that was this, uh, like, I mean, the black Dolly murder is the top, best ever top 10 favorite bands, yeah. maybe top five favorite bands ever. So. I was like geeking, man. I was like, oh shit, I have to go play guitar in front of Ryan Knight next to Jason Richardson and somehow not look like a dud. It's fucking That's a challenge for sure. Um (laughs) Man, holy shit. That is a crazy, crazy challenge. And it was Suicide Silence co headlining with them? Yes. Was it still with Mitch in the band or was this after his No, no, Eddie Eddie was with them at the time. Okay, cool. Um I never listened to that most recent Suicide Silence record that everyone hated. I never listened to it, but I should probably do that at some point, just out of you know curiosity. What? I've I've heard some of it, and I support any band that just wants just does what they want to do. For sure, you don't have to like everything you hear, but you got to respect when an artist expresses themselves. Yeah, you know, absolutely. But this, yeah, Suicide Silence, another iconic band so that was a cool first tour oh, for sure <laughs> it was nuts yeah man what a band um they've written some really amazing songs but oh yeah so you uh are on this tour at the moment you've still got two other guitar players in the band tour goes well everyone's happy things smash yeah 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 i mean i was looking at it through you know rose colored glasses um because you know my first tour it could have been 50 kids a night and that would have been you know so stoked oh, of course um i remember the tour being like pretty damn good it wasn't like a you know grand slam knocked out of the park every night sold out kind of tour but it was still rad that's awesome everything was good i was cruising on cloud nine so um how long i guess into the cycle for ashes to ashes did this lineup last because if i remember correct isn't that about the time when jason dropped off yeah, so we were writing for Self-Inflicted. You know, the band has put out an album every two years. Until now, it's actually, we are past that mark. But, um, let's see. Yeah, we were at the end of that two-year cycle. Okay. It's not like it's been planned that way. It's just always worked out that <laughs> way. Like, you know, for for weird technical reasons. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Jason left... Were you guys Maybe his last band before it, yeah. doing the solo stuff? Yeah, we were. Okay. And he played with uh, All That Remains now, but he his solo stuff is his, his yeah. main script, I think. That's pretty cool. I mean, Ollie had sick riffs, so good for him. That's super oh, yeah. fun to play. Um, that's got to be a fun job. But um, so you guys 
move forward just you and Jake, or does Jake also bow out at this point? Uh, so we move forward as Jake and I. Okay. And uh, actually, um, Dan did come out on 2016 Warp Tour, so we had three guitarists then. But uh, we move forward as, with Jake and I, yeah. Cool. And uh, that was awesome. Did you automatically start writing with the band, or did you kind of like toe the line for a minute and wait, or how did that work out? I wrote a lot on self-inflicted actually just immediately dove right into it. I think a big reason why the band had me join is because we've all, even before we were friends, even before I was touring with them, um, they, I don't know, they would come to the studio I worked at and I'd be writing and they'd come hang and we'd even get down on some riffs and just chill for a bit. And I think they were just always aware that I was a writer and not so much just like, I feel like I'm more of a writer than a player. So they knew that about me too. And uh, they let me get in on it quickly. But I was a member of the band, so no reason not to. I like that though. Um, and and I mean, obviously you're an amazing guitar player, but I see that definitely is. You like to hone in on the writing side and you're trying to um, really create you know, something in full. And... I, I see that a lot with obviously everyone's favorite song, Hostage. Um yeah. because it's part of when you when I watch you play it and the way that you like groove along to it and stuff where I'm just like, Oh man, this is so Steve. Like yeah. <laughs> Um and I think you guys captured that super well with um this most recent effort, Eternal Nightmare. Um but Thank you. Yeah, you you smashed it. Um so the self inflicted well, that was an E P, right? That was, or a, full was it a full length. length. Okay. Was that the one where there's like two faces or one face that's like cut in half and some shit? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? To be honest, well, I'm sure you, I'm not sure if you're leading into a question, but that record was a bummer for me. Maybe for all of us, I think, but. I just don't know too much about it, to be honest. Um, so maybe that kind of speaks to why you feel that way. Um, you know, I don't know if it's like, what about that record was a bummer for you guys? What was hard about it? So it just kind of was like from Jump Street. I just wasn't really, I mean, writing it, I was really excited. And and every song that I had written, I was like turbo excited about. Every song everyone wrote was awesome. It was coming together really well. We had an excess of material. And we went to the studio and... The process was strange. Um, we did work with some great engineers, but it wasn't as creatively involved as I kind of wanted it to be. Um, so, you know, it, it was weird. We did the drums and the guitars at the same time, which is sort of a strange process because then you're not really able to write as you go. Mm -hmm. um, so there wasn't really much of a producing side to the experience. It was more like we came in and we recorded the songs we've, we had, which and who is, did you guys record this one with? It was with Stefan Hawks and his engineer was Mike Som. I and, don't know um, who that is. What else has he done? Or was it like a friend of your guys that you were just super into or something? He works. He worked closely with uh, projects that our manager, Mike Milford has um, worked with in the past. Okay. He did Attila's uh, Rage record, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, sick! Um, so he and and you know, he does have an awesome sound. It's just that, and I think it's kind of on our end. And and you know, at the time, I was really sort of a novice to like the recording process, the real professional recording process. 
And um, I didn't realize that like producing wasn't really discussed. It was more just go record and cut the record sort of uh, arrangement. So, so when I say that, you know, when I say everything I'm saying, I'm not trying to dog on the people I worked with because they did their job and actually really enjoyed the two of them. Well, it was like, every recording, um, how should I put this? Every person that you work with, whether they're an engineer or producer, um, is different. And some of them do really want to chop songs up and dig into that. Yes. And some of them, their, their thing is, well, come to me with your songs and I'm really going to make the song sound the best that they can be. So, right. um, I think that there are times where, and I've heard this from a lot of bands where a band will go to someone and expect them to, to produce and maybe they don't really produce, um, or they expect the recording to sound amazing, and the person spends forever just trying to wank around with their songs. Right. Um, so it's you know it's a tough situation to be in for sure. It, I don't think it's dogging on anybody or you know no harm no foul um, because it's just different strokes for different folks. And if I had the like someone be like, oh, this guy worked on the Rage record, like we should go do that. That record fucking slammed. Um, and that was back when I can genuinely say, like, I enjoyed parts of Attila, and I enjoyed some Attila songs for sure. <laughs> yeah, dude, um, I used to get that. There was, like, some Attila riffs. Early Attila, there was some crazy fucking riffs that I was like, wow. Oh, yeah. Dude, it was I mean, so good. Attila came up with CG just hand in hand. They signed the same Static Factory record that wound up being a total fucking wank job. Yes. Well, <laughs> Dan Defont. We're going to talk about it. Because I... Um, grew up um, with in the same area as Dan, like, you know, about an hour apart, but I would play shows that he booked and stuff. Didn't he book you guys like way back in the day? Well, you wouldn't, you know I guess you weren't, you weren't there. I'm, yeah, I'm really not sure. You know, I've, I've heard Dan Defonce's name and I'm probably just a, an idiot for not knowing, but I'm not entirely sure what he does now or his involvement. He books like death metal bands and stuff. Um, super nice guy. Um, Love that dude. Really nice. But he, um, I just remember at the same time, like he, I think he was booking um, Attila and you guys, and then maybe like a very young volumes shortly thereafter. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, but that was when the band was on Static Factory. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I just, I wasn't sure. I, I've heard his name a million times, probably seen it on, I think Twitter mostly a million times, but. I just haven't put a personality or person to the name yet. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's super. I've heard good things. So. Yeah, great dude. Um, but I was just curious. But then that makes sense because also you weren't there. So why would we know if you <laughs> um, knew if they were booking you while they were a local band? But in the abyss of history, <laughs> I'll never know. Yeah, I don't even know. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Static Factory did, you know, sign both yours and Attila, you know, your band and Attila at the same time because both bands became very successful. So obviously they must have had good taste at the time and seen something that people didn't understand. I mean, they must have had an eye because, yeah, like you said, they sort of, that was a starting point for a couple, uh, you know, decent and noteworthy bands in that scene. Yeah, you're right. They, they must have, they had something right. That's how every label, you know, starts. I guess they get lucky, but then sometimes they probably just fuck it up after and, you know, <laughs> become like a Victory Records or something. But yeah, um, yeah, there's there's the chance of going that route as well. Yeah, for sure. 
which is interesting because I've watched some bands do that and, uh, you know, sign those crazy contracts. And I can't imagine being in that position where, because it, it didn't necessarily happen to me where it's like, well, I can sign this contract and I know it's a shitty contract, but it might give me all my hopes and dreams. Or I might never see my hopes and dreams and I don't sign this contract. And that just sounds like a really tough predicament to be in. So, Absolutely. I, I, I kind of on the subject of how I joined the band later and whatnot, I didn't get to have like the very, I didn't get to raise a band from the ground up, which is something that I would love to have done. And, you know, it's a point of pride um, to be there through all of it. But there's some things that I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't have to deal with that shit. One like, thousand percent. I agree with you. I found the best time to join my band because it was like, well, you guys like, you know, you signed and you put out a record and it, you know, it did okay. And you're like starting to get some buzz, but, oh, you're just going to like, let me be in the band and like pay me equally. And like, everything's going to be okay. And we all split everything and it's happy go lucky. And then things work out where they had to do all those tours and especially doing local tours in Texas. That sounds fucking terrible. It's so Dude. hot. Like there's a story about Bob riding in the back of a freaking truck and like <gasps> getting his like skin, like so sunburnt that it blistered and stuff. <laughs> like, man, I don't want to do any of that shit. Like, no, no. hell no. Yeah. It sounds terrible. <laughs> terrible. That's so funny. Yeah. Poor Bob. But yeah, we both got lucky in that regard where a bunch of people did grunt work and then we got to uh, just dive into it. It's great. Um, yeah, I, I feel, I don't, I hate to, you know, put it that way, but hey, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes things happen. You know, I would say that we just brought the spice that made everything nice, bro. Like, we we made these bands better. Like, they fucking sucked before we joined these bands. Like, that's honestly. That's totally true, dude. <laughs> yeah. No, Fit for a King was so much taller when I wasn't in the band. Well, all right, it's time to mosh. Did you guys like my fry? It's pretty good, right? Okay, here we are. We are in the middle of this lovely episode. It's not quite the middle, but it takes some time somewhere in the middle. <laughs> um, but here we go. Taking a break. I know what you guys need, and I know what I need. We need some breakdowns. This week, we have Ouroboros by Degrader. Degrader is a metalcore band from the New England area, and they are currently signed to Stay Sick Records. I got to sing on a song of theirs a few years back. I, honestly, it was probably about five years ago now, and I'm very happy to see their growth. It's hard for young bands to get their footing these days, and I'm glad to see these guys are getting to put out records and tour and, and really hit it. Liam is an extremely dedicated... Um, musician and one of the hardest working guys that I've met yet. Um, he's constantly recording, writing and putting out new product. So props to him with some recent lineup changes. It looks like they've got all the necessary tools to step into the next level and really hit the touring full time. Now, I personally will always miss Saint being there and being the nastiest bass swinging master ever. That dude could do like triple bass spins. It was crazy. Very jealous. Um, but I'm excited for them, and I can't wait to see how they do in this next step. So here's Ouroboros by Degrader. I have destroyed the world around me. I have nothing left to blast. 
bunch of fucking tall dudes everybody was like six feet and up except for kirby and they looked awesome they all had great hair and they were hot and then they were like we're gonna get rid of the all like, these guys and we're gonna get this short stumpy bald dude um i guess i had some hair back then but whatever dude, nonsense you're, you're the ultimate uh, male supermodel uh, yes very true you're right how you know 
I'm never going to say anything negative about myself again. Thank no, you. No, never. <laughs> Dude, um, do you recall at what time Pablo joined the band? Uh, yeah, he joined um, like mid-2012, just before 2012 Warp Tour. He and I were in a band together, and then he got the audition call to play with Chelsea Grin. Or the to, yeah, to audition. Everest band? Yeah, yeah. You were in Everest. that? Yeah, yeah, I was. We. Uh, oh man, that band was great. That band was pretty cool, huh? I mean, yeah. it was mostly so. It there was like a record that Pablo wrote um, when he had really no one in the band. It was just like a little personal project, um, and uh, so he basically conscripted a bunch of guys to come play with him. And and I was there at the end of the band. Um, you know, man, did some. Dude, it was a great record cool though and stuff because I around that time my local band recorded with Bucket at Matt oh, Wentworth's yeah. house in New Hampshire. So there you go, yeah. <laughs> he was showing me those demos. So when he ended up joining the band, I was like, oh my God, that's so crazy. That guy's so talented. That's so cool. Because um, those songs were very unique and melodic and beautiful and then also very heavy. Um, it was cool. Cool band. Yeah, he was He was super inspired by uh, Ms. Sigs at the time. Misery Signals. Yeah. Yeah, so you can hear that in the record. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, um, so Bob, Bob, twenty twelve. That's sick. So he, you know, he joined in at a good time too. Got to do some warp tours right away and do some dope tours and not have. I well, twenty twelve was this the time where about you and Attila were opening every metalcore tour out? I think this was about the time where CG and Attila were basically, yeah, the, the staple bands to be like two of four or one of four, For three of 12 on All Stars or something. Yeah, I remember Maybe a little either seeing that. it that way or seeing it was Attila and Sleeping with Sirens together a lot for some reason as well. I don't know why. I think it was maybe just like Scream It Like You Mean It and like a couple other lineups where I was like, why are these bands outdoor together? This doesn't make sense. Um, because when I first heard Sleeping With Sirens, I was a big fan. Because that one song, I mean, that whole those first two records are phenomenal. They're super, super good. You may not be a person that's into high register singing or super tenors or whatever, but those first two records are catchy as shit. So the only reason why I'm commenting, not commenting on any other records is because I haven't listened to them. So I'm not going to give you my opinion because I don't have one. But um, yeah, I yeah. can't offer an opinion really on any of it. I actually really do enjoy the high register. Did you call it super tenors? Yeah, they're just tenors. Like, but he's not like just. I called a super tenor because, like in high school, I sang tenor, but my singing is not as high as those dudes, like him or Anthony Green or like you know that kind of shit, that picturesque band, like all that kind of stuff. Like, I have to do this like fake voice that's like in between my chest voice and my falsetto where I just kind of shriek at, in that okay. tone. Um, but when I do it, it sounds very terrible, so it's never been <laughs> recording. Um, but yeah, those, those... Like, if you, there was one time I went and saw an Anthony Green solo show, and I spoke to him in person. Just for a moment, he gave me a hug. It was amazing. But his speaking voice was so goddamn high, I was like, oh my gosh, Like that just makes sense. Now I know why you sing the way you do, because this is just how you talk, and that's great. Yeah. And I was like, that makes sense, because I kind of sing the way I talk, too. That's cool. Um, but I'm a huge oh, Circus Survive fan, and I've followed all his projects. So I was just like, to get to meet him for just a moment was crazy cool. 
I love singers whose uh, talking voices you can hear in their singing. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know why. It's just like such a cool sort of sound. That's part of what makes him such a unique sounding singer, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a, that's a trait I appreciate in vocalists and singers worldwide, genre-wide. Absolutely. Um, I find myself enjoying stuff like that more and more, I think. Or at least maybe noticing it where... Maybe it's because I'm listening to calmer things these days, but something like The National. Um, the, I don't know if you've ever listened to that band because they're definitely a very opposite spectrum of what you guys do. But oh, yeah. I um, think they used to play a lot of shows um, in my like local area venue when I was a kid. I think I like worked a couple shows they played, so could be wrong. That would be sick. But yeah, he just basically like talk sings. Like, yeah. He just kind of mumbles. He's just the whole time is like this, and it's almost like Randy Newman, but really, really good. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I love there, that. There's, <clears throat> there's a band called All Get Out. Oh yeah, Nate Hussey. Yeah, yeah. I, I fucking love that band. That latest I, record I so is band fucking so good. Um, gosh, what is that record called? The last one that he just put out. Something about flowers or some shit. I'm uh, terrible with the names of anything. <laughs> to be honest, no bouquet. That's it. Okay. Um, but yeah, continue. The band's amazing. Um, I loved that album, uh, the season. It's a little bit older. Um, but that was like my shit for a long time. Still is. Um, I'll have to go also, listen to it. Have you ever it. heard that band PM today? I've heard of them. I've listened to a song or two, but I remember them as an early rise band. They were so sick. Um, it was like pretty emo. The music was like highly fucking depressing. Yeah, post hardcore band. I used to listen to it when I just wanted to wallow in misery. That's um, awesome. But it's interesting because he's, as you would, as you would say, a super tenor, and uh, they just riff so hard. I think it's like two brothers and a drummer, and these dudes riff insanely hard while they're si- while this guy's singing in the super tenor. He, uh, is, the vocalist is also uh, one of the guitarists, and they're just going so ham. That's and awesome. That's a band I love. I think you would dig them too, to be honest. I have been told that numerous times, and I need to go and actually listen to that record again because there was a bunch of bands from that time um, where I think I was so excited about music in general, and Rise Records signed so many young bands around then where I was just like, oh my God, how do I digest all of this? And I think that's how you end up with a PM today where 10 years later, everyone's like, wow, we've really slept on this. Um, we probably should have given more support way back when. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm going to have to go and spin that. I love that kind of really? stuff. I've, I've just always been into it because Coheed was from my area too. So I guess when it's like, that's your, your favorite local band, you're kind of set yeah, up for that. That's, that's going to yeah. inspire you for the rest of your life. Oh yeah. Yep. Sure. Did. That, I love, I, I really, I don't know. I have a good, I had my sort of, it was weird when I was growing up. I listened to I was mostly a death metal, black metal, or just metal guy in general. Um, but then my hard opposite, which is, isn't really a hard opposite, was bands like PM Today, and and it was just cool to to have the brutal side, but then also that super oh, emo yeah. side. It turned me into a very strange high schooler. 
Yeah, but you know what? It's good to have eclectic taste because it shows in your writing, too, in the end. Because you need to be able to touch on the melodic side sometimes, and you need to be on the super heavy side sometimes. You know, you need to be able to blend it all together to make something great. Um, yeah. Everyone's creative style, I feel like, is just a culmination of all their influences. Yeah. And then, yeah, my yeah. spectrum was kind of similar, but in a different way where it was like, I listened to Dashboard Confessional or I listened to Shai Hulud. Um, there you go. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was either way, it was really emotional and bas- basically saying that everyone sucks. But, um, you know, sometime it was in some stupid time signature I couldn't understand. And sometimes it was just um, the greatest singer ever because Chris Caraba is the greatest singer ever. He's so good. And I just, I grew my chops out, dude. I was, like, trying to get my hair like him. Like, I was like, bro, dude, I'm be this motherfucker. Oh, You're going to temper tone profile yourself into him. Dude, that would be so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be really badass. Because I just used to always think about, like, how many chicks he got and stuff. And, like, how everyone thought he was so attractive. And I was... He's the best singer ever and writing the best songs. And I was like, man, like if I could grow up to like get to have sex with a lot of people too, that would be so cool. Um, Dude, there's a point in your, there's a point in your life. I don't, as a, as a male where you're like, dude, the measurement of success is the number of women you've had sex with by the time you die. And then some people will grow out of that and some people don't. And this is only speculating that Chris Caraba bangs a lot of people. I don't know that he does. He's not my friend. I don't know him. I just There's say that he does because no. people think he's attractive. And I think if it was just what, yeah, when you're young, you're like, well, if you're really attractive and everyone thinks you're really attractive, you have sex like all the time. You have no option. You just you do. No it's option. just in your genetics. Yeah. Cause like, you know, why not? Um, but Speaking of that, that's my eternal nightmare. Um, is you know the fact that I was never Chris Caraba and I could never play guitar that good or sing that good, and then I lost my hair in my late twenties, and that motherfucker still has the nicest hair ever. He's so he just like he's fine wine, man. I watch him. He's been doing so many performances, um, like on Instagram and stuff. It's so great, oh, man. But this podcast isn't about Chris Caraba or his fucking dumbass band. Dashboard Confessional, that happens to be one of my favorite bands. This is about you, and this is about Chelsea Grin. Um, well, it's about whatever you want it to be about, Tuck. It's about the Prosecco I'm drinking right now. That's what it's about. There you about. go, you fancy man. Dude, it's delicious. You can get a six-pack down at the grocery store, but really, if anyone finds the Woodchuck Hard Cider Seccos, get them. They're fantastic. Um, but I love bubbly. I might drinks. have to get... I haven't had a drink of I haven't had a sip of alcohol in a while, man. And oh, really? it's not that I'm opposed, it's just that like I just haven't done it. Um I, I'm like not in the zone, but some cider sounds good. Well, I definitely notice if I do have like you know the perk is I get drunk off about beer and a half at the moment. And <laughs> yeah, it, I think that's going to be me too. <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. It makes me feel great. And then I don't like feel like any of the sad effects or whatever. But right. because I haven't drank in a long time, when I do, you know, drink a bit too much, you know, gets you the a little bit just because of everything going on in the world. So I definitely don't, you know, 
try to dip into it too much. But this past weekend, I went to my parents' and hung out on their lake and drank a bunch of Jameson. It was awesome. I had a great That time. sounds great, man. Oh, yeah. I'm so sunburned right now. My whole head is just roasted. It hurts. Oh. I, yeah. I was like, no, oh, dude, I'm going to get a piss. I'm going on vacation. And then, yeah, I'm stupid. So it's okay. It's part of life. Um, yeah. It happens. Yeah. I, I've had the worst sunburns of my life uh, at times when they were supposed to be the most fun of all. And then I get a sunburn. It ruins my entire vacation. That this happened to us in Hawaii this last summer. Ooh. Um, we went to go play a show on our way home from Australia on tour. And day one, we all rent scooters and we zip out to this bay, Hanauma Bay, to do some snorkeling with some fishies. Sweet. And uh, straight up. We all got rocked. Well, not all of us. David was smarter than that. Pablo was smarter than that. But like our whole crew and the rest of us just got absolutely fucking ripped to shreds, just snorkeling with our backs to the sky. And then we didn't really feel it at first. So we all took our shirts off and rode our scooters back in like our little short, our swimsuits that were hiked up because we were sitting on a scooter and just entire body, except for a small pair of shorts that didn't get sunburned. It was the worst. And then we had to play a show the next night. And I was like stiff as a board with my guitar hanging on my shoulder. This is a total tangent about sunburns. That's okay. That sounds absolutely terrible, though. Dude, that was the worst. That show was miserable for me, physically. But at least you were in Hawaii. That's pretty cool. I want to go there someday. It was amazing. You guys haven't played Hawaii yet? Nope. Uh, But we also haven't been to Australia in six years. I've never been. It was the last tour they did before I joined. Australia and is like the best place to tour. I've heard. And I remember there was this one time I was going to go. Um, and then like, uh, yeah, the world ended. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't want to go to Australia. It's I whatever. forgot that you guys were go- doing that. I, I told, I'm not trying to rub it in. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, that was the whole thing is we were like, yo, alpha wolf, like you guys are good or whatever. And like, we like you guys as people, but, um, you will. You can come here if we get to go to Australia, because <laughs> you know it's just we haven't been in so long. We want to go so bad, and I really I just blame it on In Hearts Wake, honestly. And I'm going to call them out here right now too, because I plan on trying to get one of those guys to come on here as well. So I might as well talk some shit for a second. And it's just go. like, hey guys, like you know, take us to Australia, but they haven't toured very much either, because um, I guess they were probably preparing this record that they're putting out now. Yeah, I think they were probably in that zone. Yeah. Um, Which, their new stuff sounds awesome. Uh, It does. It does. They're a cool band. Um, I wonder if they went to Putney again, because they usually um, had done some... They had done some of their previous work with with Will Putney, but I don't know who mixed this most recent um, single that I heard. But it's fantastic. The Doomsday one? I feel like Putney is the most repeat customer producer out there right now. It's because he's the nicest guy. I have not met him. We we we've worked with him briefly, a little bit in the past, but it was just a quick thing, and uh, but it was all remote, so didn't get to meet. But I've he he like his bands just keep going back. They find their sound with him. He gives oh, yeah. he gives them a special sound. Man, and the autopsy records are phenomenal. Like yeah, I, he goes hard on those. 
I legitimately listen to Autopsy as a fan. Um, I love their band, everyone, and it's super nice. But yeah, his work that he does with that is just the greatest. It's so metal. Like, yeah, so good. Yeah, the, the, he, he has that band dialed in. Okay. I mean, you know what? It's If it's your personal project, I mean, you put your, you're going to give that shit. If you're giving other bands 100%, you know, you're going to give that 110. Absolutely. It's just, it's just the product of the heart. So, yep. And it can't help but to make it, sure. to knock it out of the park. And, you know, speaking of knocking it out of the park, let's talk Eternal Nightmare for a minute. So, okay. you guys went to The Man, The Myth, Drew Fuck, as Drew <laughs> <laughs> Folk, as some may say. And. <laughs> it's that half a pair seco i had man it's getting me crazy um so you guys went to drew folk um and oh you guys made a banger, banger of a record. Um, Eternal Nightmare, it seems to me, at least in the time that I've been a fan of the band, to be the most well-received Chelsea Grin record, maybe in the history of Chelsea Grin records. Um, I would, you know, it's definitely hard to say, and I know that there will always be people that are like, no, this era of like this and that, and when who was whatever. Cool. Glad you think that. Um, that's awesome. That's not what I think. What I think is that <laughs> Eternal Nightmare is um, the most well-received one because I've I the reaction to it was wild. I think part of that that helped you guys so much was that damn Caliber TV video um, that came that out was awesome. after Warp, Warp Tour because it's so epic. It's the greatest live recording like of a band ever. It's Dude, so it really good. it really is top notch. Those guys killed it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely destroyed it. But um, so we have made some records with Drew, so we are pretty yeah. familiar with him and his process. But when you made that record with him, did you write a lot side by side with him, or did you come in with a lot of pre-finished songs? We came in with a shitload of songs. Um, man, I don't remember how much I had like twenty twenty-five sessions. Um, when I got there and then I found, you know, found a few more, or, you know, we all, I don't know, it, it, we, we went with a ton of material. So we didn't do a lot of sitting and writing. We did with a few parts, um, especially, uh, you know, more synth based parts. He had a lot of awesome ideas for parts to add in that realm, okay. but the majority of the, the writing was finished when we got in there or the, you know, the, the riff creation, I should say, because things changed so much, but guitar riffs pretty much stayed the same. That's amazing. That's super cool. Um, it took so, me a long time to say that. No, 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 no. That's, <laughs> no, that's great. I love the way you described it because I know that there are bits and pieces where, if I remember correctly, um, JT or Josh Travis, as um, everyone else knows him as well. Um, he came and hang out, hung out with you just for like some bass and drum groove kind of stuff, maybe a little bit for a while. I thought um, it was, yeah. So it was interesting. We had JT come out with the idea of him co-producing the record, um, helping us to write. I think we sort of, at the time we were also kind of geeking and underestimating the quality of the material that we had ready to go. 
Um, yes. So, and we were also like, okay, we're about to go to a sick producer and we want to make it as sick as possible. So let's also have JT come and see what he can add. And so JT came out and his contribution wound up being, I mean, he, he Jeff Dunn is, uh, is Drew's main engineer, but during that record, JT and Jeff sort of split all the engineering. So JT actually tracked most of my guitar, like rhythm guitars on the record. Um, he helped a lot with bass, uh, cool bass ideas. Um, and he's won't tell you, but he's a super insano rhythmic mastermind. So he helped a lot with, uh, cool drum grooves and just ways to change it up from, you know, the program drums that we'd already brought in. That's awesome. Um, so I like to think that JD just added some spices here and there, and he was very responsible for getting me to play as well as I could. He was yeah. so help- helpful on that record. That's fantastic. Yeah, I remember um, just being, when we talked and, and discussed what kind of role he had with the record, I was like, you know what, that is such a cool like way for you to be utilized as a writer, is to be there and create that groove because that is something that he is so good at. And it's even like when just some of the rhythms that he chooses to play and time signatures, all these things, it's wild. A lot of the stuff that he does is just so far beyond. So sometimes when you tone him down a little bit, I think you can um, get him to really create these incredible grooves, um, which you guys did. But the songwriting, as you said, I think you guys, um, you underestimated it a little bit, which... I get, but it's just such a cohesive record. Um, I love that you guys touch into some softer elements with like Across the Earth. I think that that's an awesome song. I love hearing some melody and I love seeing Pablo do like a tonal scream where he's almost singing. Yeah, yeah the um, pitch yell type thing. Yeah, because he really smashes that. And um, after especially seeing him do it live, it's like, whoa, you really have that dialed in, man. That's incredible. Um but I'm still a huge Dead Rose fan too. But I love how all a majority of the stuff really has just that fun, super heavy groove to it, layered with really awesome death metal riffs. Like <clears throat> the lead work and everything behind it, the way that it all flows together, especially on something like Dead Rose, like the chorus. When right. you have that lead guitar, part. Oh man, that thing gets stuck in my head all of the goddamn time. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic, man. And I, I think that's that. why everyone that just went through it, as long as they could adjust to the vocal change, for one, it was something that um. It was a really cohesive record to listen to where there's definitely been some times where Chelsea Grin has tried to experiment in the past. You've tried to right. add in, they've tried to add in singing. You guys have tried to add in singing, tried to add in melody, tried to go heavier, all these sorts of things. And then this one just strikes me as the most cohesive Chelsea Grin record really since the first one. Um, or maybe not first one, but the one with like my damnation and shit on it. Is it called yeah. my damnation? Yeah, that's the record. Okay. Um, and I think that that's why it went so well. But also, the co- the cool spice that was added on top for me as a viewer was Tom coming in as this new guy, having these new songs. To a lot of people, I feel like Chelsea Grin is a brand new band. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, 
Like well, they, first off, I appreciate all the kind words. Oh, of course, man. Um, but we, that, that's like sort of a for better or for worse. There's a positive and negative side to that. Um, yeah. That's one of those sort well, of topics. Let me clarify. The way that I mean brand new band is like they haven't heard of you guys or maybe been a fan or listened. And right. now they're yeah, listening but, to this as their first Chelsea Green record. Yeah. And so okay. for them all it's you know the past doesn't matter because it's irrelevant because they didn't know about it. They'll learn about it as they listen through old stuff, but a lot of other people could listen to the old stuff and just not even know that it wasn't the old vocalist. They could just be like, "Oh, he just got like a new style." Who fucking right. I don't know. But I think it, it did it did work out that way. Yeah. I mean, we did get a lot of new fans and like the the album cycles touring wise were the most successful we've had in a long time and a lot of that we noticed through VIPs and just through getting out and hanging out with the crowd was because of brand new fans that had never seen us before um, that just heard eternal nightmare. And were like, all right, well, even if they had heard us, it was, it was a lot of people's first record that they, uh, it was a lot of people's first record. Yeah. Yeah. So, which, you know, know, I'm so, we're so stoked on it. It was weird. Not a lot of bands get the opportunity to be like, I don't know how many records that was. Six, including EPs, six or seven records in. How many and then smash yeah, that mega then, home run. Yeah, and then just find new life. We were sort of at a point where we were nervous. Obviously, things were happening. We didn't know what was going to happen. And to have found a, a, I don't want to call it a second chance, but the chance to keep going, I should yeah. say, the, to have found that was just... Well, I mean, we were know. confident, but we we didn't know it was going to be that exciting and that beneficial. Yeah, and for any band that's losing their vocalist, I mean, you know, I can say this uh, very clearly: if Fifer King lost Kirby, I don't I don't think Fifer King's going to be a band no more. Um, and God bless his heart, he's never allowed to quit because I'll fucking kill him. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I'll find you, Kirby. I know where you live, but. Um, you know, he's got kids in his house now, though. I can't go killing him and stuff. That no. would be good, because I don't want to have nice that. For that. Yeah, you know. I if he didn't have that. kids, you could commit murder, but if not... Yeah, I don't want to do that. But um, you guys really took the challenge head on. I think... I don't know if we really want to touch into the personal side of that whole thing too much. I think it's really up to you how much you want to say. But as a, as a friend of yours... Um, I think it's just amazing to watch a group of people be put in a situation where they have to make some really hard decisions, not just for them and their business, but also for the life of their friend and for their friend to be able to, uh, you know, find new pastures and to be okay. And um, it's a lot of times you'd push either way or a lot of people will just be, you know, you hear all those horror stories of, you know, you watch a Led Zeppelin where it's like, all right, everybody's drunk, a heroin addict, and uh, we're going to put all these monkeys together and just see if they can dance. Uh, and then yeah. oh, well, everybody's dying. Um, you know, that kind of stuff where you guys took, a, you know, a situation and I think you re- made a really amazing outcome out of it because as we've discussed um, personally, you know, obviously when it comes to being like finding a replacement, there's a lot of people that you can think about out there, out there as well. Um, because there's so many amazingly talented people on this planet, but you guys yeah. made, made the right choice. You know, Tom was a superstar and you guys coming together and making this record really just changed everything. 
You know, it took your band and brought you like in front of every single metalcore viewer out there. Like watching you guys play in Europe, especially when you guys did like, man, when hot when you guys would play hostage in Europe, that shit was wild. So like sometimes there was literally a thousand people singing. I, I see my demons. You know, dude, I love when people sing that. It's like such a such a fun thing. I mean. That 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 song and just different experiences. I think people, I don't know, to kind of wrap it all in together. I think finding Tom and being just the four of us, finding the chemistry that we found. I mean, the the whole situation around the vocalist, um, around losing AK and getting Tom, was a situation that none of us wanted to go through, and we would rather have things have been just peachy, and never have had to have deal with anything like that and not just us but you know for ak as well i'm sure not, that wasn't an ideal or premeditated or easy situation whatsoever um, no way. but to have come out of it or the way we've come out of it feels like we have a, a creative chemistry or even just beyond that we just happen to our styles happen to mesh very well together at the, the you know with the four that we have right now comes together to be a product i think that's really genuine that people can latch on to so you know times like in europe when people would be singing back to us in such you know great numbers just so loud it just felt like that chemistry was extending from the four of us on the record to the four of us on stage to the four of us and the whole crowd just vibing in on the same exact chemistry. It was, it was cool. And I think that record gave us a lot of opportunities to form that, that special connection between the four of us and between the four of us and the entire audience as well. It's a great experience for you guys where it's like, you got to all just like take on this new endeavor, you know, together as one and it shows, I mean, you guys get along. I mean, you know, that's from an outside source. You guys get along great. I love being around you. That's why I pretended to be in your band the whole time we were in Europe. Um, and, you know, it. I just, you guys have that, that special thing where, you know, when I see your band, it's like, oh man, you guys, you glow. You got that it factor, baby. Um, and I just love seeing someone like Tom uh, get to absolutely crush life because he's so kind and so talented. He's so fucking yeah. good every day. It's stupid. Tom's a true G. He 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 does a great job, yes. and he's just growing to be better and better, especially at his craft right now. He's just he's like an endless fountain of ability and talent. So it's cool. It's really awesome to have him. Well, he's so curious, and he just wants to learn in general. Um, so it's great that he funnels that into his his craft and his talent. Um, yeah, it's true. His personality is just to constantly grow. So whether that's through knowledge or abilities or different sounds he can make with his face, you know what I mean? It's, it's cool. He's, he's constantly evolving. I like to pretend like I can do it when I have like a cranked condenser mic and then I can make cool sounds, but I can't (laughs) scream. I'm not good at it. I do it on my show sometimes. I couldn't, I, I, my voice is not meant to be on a microphone. In fact, I'm sorry for everyone that's hearing this shit. I no, mean, I'm they love it. you have listeners, but I'm sorry to them. No, they're having a great time. You have a really good speaking voice. You sound fantastic on the show. 
I'm you congested know? too. <laughs> so this is perfect. Dude, my allergies are starting to kick again as well. I had to start taking things the other day. It was giving me sinus pressure. I was having all of this congestion and headache. It was terrible. My nose is stuffed. Yeah. That's what you get out here. But it's okay. I'll deal with it because it's nice out. It's all right. Yeah, right? It's a, it's a worthy payoff. You get that beautiful day. You just have a bit of a nightmare face, but that's yeah. okay. And just take some drugs. I, you know what? I will. I'm going to take them all. I would love to do that. I think that sounds really nice. Um, how big of a highlight was it for you guys um, getting to take a Casey Strain direct support for the um, Eternal Nightmare Tour in the U.S.? Was that pretty fucking badass? Because you guys, I mean, I'm a big fan of that band. Um, so for me, it would be. That was awesome. It was cool, man. It was just, it was cool to be able to, I don't know. I don't, to put it candidly, when you're growing as a band, really, it all boils down to touring comes down to what, like how big you get and what bands you can afford to have come out underneath you and the bands, you know, whose numbers it makes sense in coordination with yours to support you. And, uh, that was a big milestone for us as a band to achieve a level where we could have a band like the Casey string come out with us. And it's not as if, our band is some big headliner over to them. I mean, they obviously pull a huge way and having them was extremely, extremely helpful to our package. Absolutely. But, it, but being a fan of that band, um, and also Tom, their guitarist is a friend of mine. We go way back, actually guitar checks for him one time on like a one-off Vela Maya tour. And it was say. just like an old friendship and it just was awesome. It was great to have them. Um, yeah, they were heavy I feel like hitters. The, the biggest pull or not biggest pull, but the greatest gem of that tour was spite. Um, Cause shit, I feel dude. like that was the time where I really started to hear about spite and have people talk about him. I'm like, started listening to him myself. I'm like, God damn, this band is so good. Spite's a rad band. They're, they're just so cool. They're the epitome of a band that just like they're li- I-, I love them on CD, but until you see them live, it's it's you're not quite getting the full thing. It's as if they write with that in mind. They know it's going to be a banger on the on the, on the record, but they also envision what it's going to be like live. And so there's literally not a single moment of their set that that doesn't just I need crush you. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think that's something that's really important nowadays. Is it's good to be listened to. But it's also extremely important to to pull that off live and not just pull it off, but uh, yeah. recreate it in a way. If your show sucks, you're not going to be successful. Dude, there, there was an era there where bands could suck fucking huge ass and still get away with it. And I was like, dude, this this is embarrassing. This sucks. I'm Can not going to name drop anybody. No, you want to say I'm too much. Too much of a nice guy to say. I'm trying sucks. to think of one I feel comfortable with being like, yeah, that band <laughs> is really bad. Um, um, there's some I want to <laughs> say just to be a dick, um, but you know, we're not in the business of talking down. No, 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 and it's not talking down. It's talking shit. And you yeah, know, that's true, I, that's you know. True. And I've that's something that I've I enjoyed. But you know, like I said, I've shifted gears where now all the way that I talk shit is I go on um 
the TLC network on Twitter. And I, whenever they make posts about this guy, Jesse, that I really hate, I just talk about <laughs> how much I hate him. Cause he's on 90 day fiance, um, uh, okay. but he's a really big scumbag. Um, and I don't like him. But he blocked me, so I can't talk shit to him directly no anymore. Shit, dude, you went that <laughs> hard. Yeah. Well, I didn't say like a lot of stuff. I just I had one tweet where I was like, "This guy sucks. He's a total, uh, you know, it, he's just really manipulative." I forget exactly how I phrased it, but the woman that you know, he's this twenty-four-year-old dude from Amsterdam, dates this like forty-year-old woman who's like working really hard, you know, paying for visa stuff. She's got two kids doing all this stuff. And he's just like talking shit to her left and right, telling her to take her makeup off all the stuff. She has one night where she like has a glass of wine with his mom and like gives him a little lip back. He's like, you could never drink again. You're an alcoholic. All the stuff where she's like, you are a manipulative motherfucker. So I made a tweet and then he blocked me, but it's fine. I'll look well, hey, at least you stood out to the bad guy. That's Absolutely. Good. You know, but, um, Good you, know, you know, it's interesting how they, uh, you know, those networks, TLC has the funniest people on their shows where it's like, okay, guys, we're going to give you a whole bunch of shows that are basically just a bunch of people with mental illness and, uh, we're going to make some money off of it. So let's have a good time. Um, and <laughs> yeah, honestly, I have a great time. I love it. <laughs> I love watching people That's whose good. lives are, um, worse than mine or people that make decisions that are worse than mine, because it makes me feel good inside of my heart. I do um, like the decisions <laughs> one. I, sometimes I get like in a really dark place. I know I'm just too much reality TV, but yeah. when I see people just being stupid and like getting what they deserve, I, I, I love that. Yes, absolutely. And just to clarify for people listening before they think I'm a terrible person, I don't like watching people's lives are worse than mine just because I get enjoyment out of it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But I do, um, I like watching people who do make these crazy decisions. And with that, with like, you can have these girls, you know, or, I not to generalize because it goes both ways. <laughs> you know, you know, I was about to go there, but then I could think it's actually 50, 50. It's really good where it's sometimes it's a man coming from the U S to meet someone or someone from a woman from the U S going to meet someone. But the other thing is there's always the question of, well, is this person in it for the green card? And it's like, well, yeah, kind of. Um, but they love you. It's not, they don't love you. But like, if you like lived in a hut with no water, you'll probably want to get out too. Um, yeah. And I think that that's uh, one of those weird things where they always put these people on blast where I'm like, that's not deserving. That's not cool. Um, because I think that that's an improper question for the situation. Um, I get if it's someone who, like in this most recent one, Jesus Christ, we're talking about this so much on the show today. Why? I don't know. Um, <laughs> God, Forget I'm about it. I'm you to talk to. I'm lost, <laughs> but I'm happy to listen. Dude, yeah, right? I just wanted to vent about 90 Day Fiance. All right, I'm going to get back to some Chelsea Grin stuff before we just run on for too long. Okay, first and foremost, what is your favorite song from Eternal Nightmare? Oh, uh, either Nobody Listened or Dead Rose. I like. Is that to play or to, because, you know, for the writing or what aspect? Um, just as like a overall song, I don't, you know, they're all my babies in a sense. I think Dead Rose is my favorite 
just vibe to a song. I don't know why that one's like the right blend of intense and great chorus, great riffs, great verses, whole things. Fantastic. And it's a blast to play. Like it's a blast to play in that it's pleasurable to play. I like nobody listened because that song is like very, very metal. And, um, it's more of a challenge and I really enjoy challenges. Um, even still, you know, there's times in the, you know, it's hard to play that song just right every night. So, uh, I like that. I like scent of evil because that's like a behemoth esque. Um, just, I, I like that's a little homage to my roots. Um, awesome. yeah, I would say those are, those are some of my faves. Okay. And why that. they're my faves. You know, I get that for sure. I think, you know, nobody listening dead rose, both are, are, um, just super well-written structured songs. And I'll have to go and like, listen to scent of evil again with that mindset of, of, you know, kind of thinking of those types of bands, the behemoth esque bands, but that is a fucking killer song. Um, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's the hardest one to play out of the whole record? Um, nobody listened is probably the toughest to play, you know? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That one just goes a little crazy. There's sometimes you write a song and you write it part by part and you can play each part just fine. But then when you put every part together and you have to play, like you go to the studio and you don't record a song, like nobody listened in one take on all the guitar. You like go part by part or a couple parts by a couple parts. So then when you get to the live setting and you have to play that song, all four minutes of it from start to finish, then it's kind of, that song is pretty punishing. But uh, I think I feel worse for Pablo. He's got a lot of work to do on that song. Man, that boy, though. He can do it. He can do it with his fucking eyes closed, with his arms tied behind his back, and still make it happen somehow. Because I've seen that dude, you know, and I'm, you know, obviously you've known him much longer than me, but, you know, he can party with the best of them and then just be the best. Um, and it's amazing. And you know what? It's funny because in, in retrospect and the people that are think listening to this, they're going to be like, Oh, they party all the time and all this stuff. There's one specific day where some boys went to beer fest. Oh my God. Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> and there also happened to be a concert that day. Um, we were in Germany. So it's like when in Rome type situation, I wasn't oh, there. Sure. But- that was awesome. I mean, I didn't go because I don't really like care um, that much. Because you're not, not be- an irresponsible loser. I'm not irresponsible loser. No, I'm <laughs> just gonna you know wake up super early and do other things. Um, so I I just don't drink beer that much. I can't drink that much. But yeah, they all went to Oktoberfest and had the best time ever. But we also had to play a show that day. So all I'm saying is it was like it was interesting. Um, it happened to be the biggest show of the tour as well. There was like four or five thousand people there. True. Um, so if it, not every your set show, went awesome though, you guys had a great set. <laughs> um, and we're going to leave it at that. It was fine. Yeah. It was fine. It wasn't a train wreck, but it happened. What a day. That was a great day. Dude, that um, was an insane day. That was an insane day. But I remember uh, our little merry band of soldiers had a great time that day too. Oh, dude. Separate from the Oktoberfest. Goddamn right, man. Yeah, we had a lot of fun that day. We, Every you day. know, everybody had their own adventures all the time. That's just part of tour. That's the best part. I still wish I could go back to Christiania. And I was literally play. just going to bring that up. Yeah, and just watch that whole thing again. Like, we, 
So for those listening, there's a place called Christiania. It's in Copenhagen, Denmark, and it is a small, like, few-mile-long area. It's basically a fenced-in park that has some homes in it, but it's like a lawless area, and you can go there. It's essentially like a a seceded anarchist nation of its own, in a way. Yeah, Um, And you can go in there, and you can um, buy pot. And it's, but it's more than that. Where it's this cool area. They have all these really neat setups, but it's almost like um, Susie's setup and Charlie Brown for her psych um, thing, where you can go and like you know give her the ninety nine cents and talk to her or whatever. And it was just such an amazing experience because sometimes the cops do raid it, and but then the cops also allow it to happen. So. While we were there, it got raided. And that was the coolest shit ever to watch. We like That was crazy. Yeah. And then that kid was like smoking PCP. <laughs> Dude, he, we, we watched him like rolling his cigarette in PCP. Yeah. And he was already kind of like huddled over, like he was shot. Had probably just smoked a PCP cigarette. And and we watched him smoking it and he just oh my God. He, he looked like he had off. no idea what was going on. Not a clue. He was not present. He yeah. was elsewhere, far, Kids far away. Don't smoke bombing fluid. No, That's a bad idea. Don't do it. It's God. awful. It was terrible. But it was interesting to watch the cops as they're like raiding this area. There's yeah. a person from Christiania walking around with a camera, like labeled, and just recording everything that happens. And it was all generally peaceful. And fine, yeah. and then eventually things just kick back up, and dude, it was know. just business as usual. Kind of the whole thing was yeah. just—it was all just the motion they go through. I think the cops more so do it to harass them and let them know, like, all right, we could just come in here in full force one day, just so you guys know. Don't forget who's who's in charge. Yep. And um, but it was funny. So like, there's like the core of Christiania, which is where you get these little weed carts and and whatnot set up. But then, so the core of Christiania, where most people were there to go, uh, was fenced off with caution tape. And that's where the police were raiding, just trying to find these big bags of pot and hash and all that shit. And, uh, but then there was this like bazaar set type area with all these tables where everyone was just sitting, waiting for it to get reopened so they could go get their weed or do yeah, whatever. Yeah, you can they have a beer while you wait. Yeah, there literally was like these little shops where you could have a beer. They accepted debit card, um, and you just sit around a picnic table and enjoy a beer and 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 wait until the cops left. But it was funny because I would just sit there. And I was observing all these people around us. You know, it's a very interesting environment with interesting people. And there was still just crazy. I, I, spin, I spotted like a the head drug dealer for the, the area. He just kept sending these kids out to deliver drugs to different people sitting at different picnic tables all around. And I'd see him bring back some money. And it was just weird. The, the hustle kept going. Even with the cops there, they just have it so figured out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a wild thing to see because I've been there before and have it just be normal and yeah, no issues. So it was great for us to get to watch, you know, that kind of interaction, um, especially with everything you see in the news um, regarding police force and, um, you know, citizens currently in the U.S. 
it is very interesting to see how people interact otherwise. Um, now, mind you, this is a small, lawless area that obviously has very special rules with their right. local police force. This is not an everyday thing, and it is it's just so... Un- like, if you ever get the chance to go, your mind will be blown. Because ours it, is yeah. definitely... We love going there. It's crazy. It's such a crazy experience. It's just so unique. It's not like going somewhere... Like going to Denver, Colorado, or yeah. Denver or Colorado, to going to Colorado or California or a weed legal state and going to a dispensary. It's like you are immersed in a very, uh, very deep cultural experience, it feels. And it was, it's just cool. It's a great experience to get, I think. Oh, yeah. And it's obviously, great you know, for, keep your wits about you, but for sure. And, you know, cause you have to, you can't take your phone out. You can't take videos. You can't take pictures. You can't act right. like a tourist. You got to just come in and keep be it cool. cool. And, yeah, um, cool. yeah, it was just funny cause we had to wait so long where it was like, Oh, we got to go back and get ready for work. But holy shit. Um, <laughs> but it was great. What a good time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We made it was, happen. That was great. That was so fun. I wish dude, as we talk about it, I wish I could reverse time right this instant oh same i would would if i lived around there i would go there every day just to hang out yeah it's awesome yeah um okay one more chelsea green question out of all the old stuff what's your favorite song to play my damnation dude sweet for sure i love that song same. There's a sick solo. There's heavy ass breakdowns. It's in drop A. It's just everything came together, and that song is just four out four minutes and fifty seconds of good fun. It's easy to play. That's for sure. I think that's another thing I can just kick back and watch the crowd go absolutely nutso, and I just oh, yeah. don't even have to worry. That's just awesome. close my eyes and enjoy. Yep. Yeah, and you and your perfect music, man, guitars will just crush those songs all day, every day, as you do. Yeah, you probably have the nicest guitar collection out of, like, all of our friends. I feel very fortunate to to work with Music Man and Aristides because I genuinely feel like they're the sickest instruments for my playing style. Um, And they do these glitter fin it's just like everything i could want in in the companies i have and i just love it man i don't i don't want to say i have the sickest vault of anyone we know but i definitely it's dope between david and i we do have one of the sickest vaults oh 100 david's now i mean obviously the fuchsia one was good enough where music man had to put it out so yeah literally they had to they had to take that design and do it themselves which him and I have both had that luxury um, because my green one is currently a model. And I'm not just saying that because I'm like saying that they told me that they liked my idea and that's where they got the idea. So suck it, motherfuckers. But <laughs> um, yeah, David's fuchsia is super famous to me in the bass world um, because I feel like so many people talked about it for so long. It's definitely one that he's been playing for, I, I think, at least five years now. Um, it is an iconic, like, well, I don't want to say iconic because oh, within, it is iconic. You, yeah, I think that's proper. It's an iconic in, in our in our circle of things. Yeah, it's yeah. it's sort of an iconic looking bass. It's just it pops, man. 
Yeah. I'm jealous. I have this like phobia of getting the same color guitar as anyone in my immediate circle. And uh, so I just sit there and I look at the color of that bass. I'm like, God damn it. I mean, I as, wish a, as a JP, you play the 15s, right? I play 13s, JP 13s. I have a, I have a, a guitar that's a 13 body with a 15 neck, but um, I don't favor maple as a wood. So I don't, yeah. I stick with the 13s. Now, is that just for because of how it reacts to different um, temperatures and like humidities and stuff? Or what's your reason for staying away from maple? But you, it's more of you, a tonal thing. Yeah. You like the roasted maples, though. That's your whole thing, right? Or, or uh, what are your necks uh, made of? Well, I have the roasted maple um, on that 15 neck. But maple in general is just like tonally not my favorite i like sort of darker tones um and i'd rather the high end be added in a live scenario um you know by our front of house guy or something like that i just like darker tone and cool i'd rather have less high end and add some in as needed than have too much out the gate so maple for me makes a little harder to control that high end and for some reason dude i like hitting a pinch harmonic on that guitar is 50% 50% harder than it is on my, on my, like the Rosewood fingerboard, uh, JP 13s that I have these, oh. like it's effortless on those. And then on that guitar, it's tough. Um, so it's just weird, man. I think, and the only difference is the neck. So I'm just led to believe and and tonally I don't favor it. Like I said as well. So I think the only difference is the neck and the neck is maple. And so therefore I don't favor maple. No shit. Well, that makes me think. Um, I, you know, it's cool when you hear this from different guitar players and why they prefer certain types of woods because a lot of people, a guitar is a guitar and they don't think yeah. about it. Um, right. So it's great to hear that. You know, the other one that we didn't mention too is if I could take a color scheme and make it into another guitar, his go- David's Gold Bass. Oh, yeah. That might be my favorite of his. Um, it's funny you call it gold you know i've always been like tuck calls it gold that's curious because it's what do you guys call it it's olive green but it has in certain like so the color is supposed to be an olive maybe i'm colorblind but no because because it's like it's like a layered sparkle so the green is on top of a different layer and i think there is sort of a gold that shines through it but i only catch that angle every once in a while but yeah, I guess but to me it base. just always ah, my drop my mic. Um, to me it always looks gold. That base is gorgeous with the yeah. uh, with the roasted maple um, neck and fingerboard. It's it's like that's like like you're saying one of the coolest color schemes I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's why I guess it stands out so much too, is because I think it's gold, but it's really not. And that's you know most people would probably just try to replicate it by going, oh, give me a gold sparkle. Well, that's not technically what you want. Um, right. I th- it's kind of like, uh, you know, how they, they, it's just layered in such a way that that's truly a one of a kind base. I don't think they'll be able to recreate it's, it's multiple sparkles infused if I'm not mistaken. So it's just, it, you're never going to get that same spray yeah. that they got on that one. I so love that cool. base, dude. Yeah. It's I epic, love it. man. I would, the bombs are just ridiculous anyways, but well, the one that you have at your house right now, that sunburst one, is crazy, too. Dude, it's so <laughs> radical. I'm I sitting right next that. to it. 
Yeah, it's a great looking bass. In fact, I mean, Music Man's just letting me loan it right now, uh, which is really awesome of them. Um, but, you know, I might have to be like, hey, I throw you some money and you just let me keep it? Yeah, we'll that see. thing's so badass, I would want to keep that. It's absolutely nuts, though. And it handles everything I'm throwing at it like a champ. What tuning are you playing in for the new stuff, or are you switching it up a lot? Um, we're just going to keep it... So the last two records have been in drop G and drop E. Um, so we're going to keep it in that ballpark, drop G, drop E. If we add any more tunings, I'm going to have to... Because I already toured with six guitars, so it's like... Or, you know, playing in three tunings. I have to have a main and a backup for each guitar. Yeah. That's six. So if I add another one, it's like my vault literally doesn't even fit the guitars. It's 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 no fun. It's it's more of like a a stupid mundane reason that we're playing these tunings rather than a cool one. Well, no, I get that. I mean we don't we stick between two. We do our drop A sharp and then we do the drop F stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess you could use like pitch shifters, but that used to, but it sounded not as good. It's booty. Yeah. It just doesn't feel good switch. either. No, yeah. I want, you know, we, I used to do that and I wanted the guitar switch and that's why I bought the Kemper and I just started tuning my guitars to it properly. And, um, that's why, I mean, but even the four string stingrays take it in, in F really well. Um, and sound awesome. I feel like music man bases are the coolest bases ever. Um, stingrays are so nasty, dude. They're just such a tank of an instrument. It's so sick. I agree. I mean, perfect. I don't know. I, you know, every bass is everybody's different. That's just like my no. That's always reference. my dream bass. I mean, it's it's perfect. Um, I've thrown it very far and it didn't break. <laughs> um, yeah, you you have. have you, you know, I yeah. They take a beating like nothing else, but they also just sound the best day in and day out. And best customer service because currently i'm sitting right next to some parts for my cutlass because my my p-base one the light blue cutlass i just plugged it in um the other day and i'm turning the volume pot and it just only works in one little position i was like oh this uh this needs some work but i have terribly acidic sweat so i just destroy all my instruments with that as on top of throwing them and breaking them on jared's cymbals um, you're you're like a, an instrument's worst nightmare, dude. The amount of tuning pegs I've gone through, just smacking them on his cymbal stands and stuff, is such bullshit. Um, you go hard, man. You're like one man. of those. You're like one of the few guys currently out right now that has a stage presence that is memorable. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, well, when you're not that good at playing, you have to do something. <laughs> so. <laughs> well you know what man i mean from an early age i was just i never like i'd see people sweeping and shredding and stuff and i was just like wait how can you remember like all those notes in a row that doesn't make any sense like that sounds really hard i'm just gonna like not do that then i'd learn like a thursday song and it made me happy yeah man i mean different strokes you you just learn what resonates with you otherwise it's not going to be genuine and that's the worst yeah that's the worst creative sin you can have is is to write disingenuously or play disingenuously so for sure um i think skill is skill is an irrelevant factor to me at this point in in my time playing i'm like sure you're great but yeah I mean, if someone can have crazy skill, like be an insano shredder and have some soul to their playing, like it come from the heart, then that's awesome. But 
10 times out of 10, I'd take the, the emotional playing over the, the not so riffing. Yeah. Same here. I'm, you know, I'm always more interested just in songwriting and I guess most of the songs I like don't have a lot of shredding unless I look back on like when I was really into like between the buried and me, right. Stuff like that, where it was like, Oh, you guys kind of combine all this stuff. Um, you know, it's part dream theater, it's part death metal, it's part, um, you know, I don't know. Some of the vocals are almost like shoegazy at times. It's beautiful stuff. Yeah. That's an eclectic band. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but that's sick. Well, dude, I really don't have shit left. Uh, fuck. Um, I don't have anything left for you. I've asked you all the questions and, um, we have talked about 90 day fiance way too much. Anything else you want to get off your chest? I'm here. No, I mean, I think it's just I'm so happy to talk to you, man. I miss you, dude. It's, it sucks. Um, and I wish we got I to know. hang out for those like 40 days we were supposed to hang out. Man, I miss you too. That, I was like so happy for that tour, not just because I knew it was going to be a great tour, but I would get to hang out with my boy Tuck and my Fit for a King guys and just have a good time. And the, that sucked. I was so bummed. I am so bummed. Same. But, but until then, until something else happens, I'm just going to keep like harassing Tom about like send him all the fun stuff that I find on the internet and see what he thinks about it. I'm not even going to allude. I'll just have to do an interview with him one day too. Um, you should Tom, have Tom on. He, yeah, he, uh, he is a very interesting human. I'll leave it at that. The guy has some <laughs> crazy beliefs, um, but it's very yeah. fun to talk about, especially in a time like now. Yeah, Tom, I mean, whether or not you agree with Tom, what Tom has to say, he offers a different perspective that a lot of people don't think about. And okay. so I think having Tom uh, be interested in the things he's interested in is cool because he he offers a new scope, a frame of reference on things you might never have known about. Yeah, at least some stuff when I, you know, I had never thought about until I talked to him, so it was... Cool. I remember when I remember when we were in Europe and you were like, dude, I used to love Jesus until I met Chelsea Grant and Tom convinced me <laughs> Jesus was an alien and everything I love is fucked and <laughs> wrong. <laughs> and you would just like mope around and be like, oh man, life oh, was I better when that. I thought Jesus wasn't an alien. Yeah, before I knew I was a big <laughs> fat idiot because everything, <laughs> everything I knew was wrong. Remember yeah, when I thought I was going to receive salvation? Yeah. That was fucking bullshit. What are you? Yeah. Dude. Was, I loved that. Don't be like, no, no, don't put that on me. Oh, I love it. It's great. It's so much fun. But yeah, the best of times. And we will have more. We will have many, many yeah. more. So Hey, we're, we're always here to tour with you guys whenever you want. And likewise, you know. Or just hang out. You know, I would like to do that. After all this shit, that's all I need is just to hang out and be with friends because, you know, we don't get to have those anymore. So We, sh we should plan like a, a retreat for just like a solid group of dudes at the end of, end of all this just to like hang. That would be amazing. I would love hang. that. Yeah, That'd be seriously. fun. That'd be a good time. Hell yeah. None well, of anyone who's listening to this is invited. It's just exclusive. Me and Tuck and... The boys, or stuck in our specific hand chosen few. Yeah, only cool people invited. None of you freaking losers out there. You know, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Yeah, none of you normies can come. You got to be a dude in a band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh my god that's awesome yeah yeah it's fun it is but all right well dude we've also achieved a new goal you're the longest podcast episode yet so hey hell yeah well that's we what go. happens when you, when you get two two kindred spirits not that you know everyone else you've talked to hasn't been a kindred spirit but no they all suck everybody yeah. from both my bands sucks rio doesn't suck he's great rio doesn't suck whatsoever yeah. he's the best yeah. Actually, and, everybody you've interviewed is the best, and I miss all of them. I don't know anyone in your band, but. No. But for those that are well, listening, go Off-road listen to Offroad Minivan Swan Dive. And, dude, thank you for sharing it and helping your boy out. I got our first week numbers back today, and I'm really happy. And um, we hit 100,000 streams today, which was cool. Dude. Hell yeah. Um, that's amazing. So it's going really good. Um, you know, for a little emo project amongst friends pretty badass so we're still well, it's a passion project so it deserves to do well you know what i mean it's music from the heart like i keep talking about so yeah that's right like. man yeah i uh, i i did an interview today and i i uh, kind of cried a little bit <laughs> and it was really funny because someone was like hey describe this song and then i got like halfway through describing it and i was like it's good yeah a minute um but that's awesome yeah, yeah that's good you know, man that's sign of sincerity you need to be in touch with your feelings um you do yeah but dude all right well i'm not gonna talk about me crying anymore someone can find that interview uh it's uh <laughs> it's it's officially in public yeah. record if you want to hear me cry go uh there's gonna be an episode of you make the scene podcast and go go listen to me cry um that's it but i will cry out of happiness because i got to talk to you today and it was lovely so dude thank you so, so much for getting tucked i hope you had a thank you time. for tucking me tucking the shit out of me Dude, I would tuck the shit out of you any day, man. Absolutely. <laughs> but Well, thanks. Seriously, it was awesome. Good talking yeah. to you, Tech. Of course. I hope everyone learned something lovely today. And, uh, dude, I love you, man. And I can't wait till I get to see you again. I know. I love you, too. I can't wait. All so right. stoked. Hang on yeah. one second so I can say bye to you properly off the air, all right? Cool. All right. You beautiful people. You beautiful people. All right, wasn't that a super nice conversation? And to add, I already took my vacation, so I'm not editing that out, which I know I talked about, but whatever. I don't give a shit. Um, I had a really good time talking with my friend Steve, and I'm super lucky to have him in my life. He has been an incredibly insightful friend and one of those guys that you know cares and actually looks out for your best interests. So, Steve, thank you for joining me on the show this week so or a few weeks ago, however you want to look at it. Um, next week on the Get Tucked podcast, we have Scotty Simpson of Alpha Wolf. Ooh, yeah. He is the guitarist and is also a recording wizard. He's helped with some Polaris stuff and a bunch of Alpha Wolf stuff and super smart guy. So be that the Dark Skies tour didn't happen, we only did five days, I wanted to interview someone from each band and I can't wait to chat with Scotty. He is one of the quieter members of his band Alpha Wolf, but is a massive part of their product and success and contributes a ton of work. So Come back next week while I do a shitty Australian accent the entire interview to match Scotty's. 
Not saying his is shitty. He actually is really well-spoken and has a beautiful Australian accent that makes me extremely horny. So if you want to hear how horny I am all next week, come back and listen to my fantastic episode with Scotty Simpson of Alpha Wolf. See you next weekend, and always make sure to get tucked. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.